0: Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it, or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello. Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to share with us today. Uh, if you're viewing this, you're on YouTube. If you're listening to this, then you're on iTunes or Spotify, and we're grateful for your sharing with us. Uh, we always invite you to send us feedback. You can reach me at Fred Jeff Smith at Cox.net. Fred Jeff Smith at Cox.net. Let us know what you think about the podcast and how we can uh, make it better for you. I am extremely happy today to welcome as my guest uh, the president of the Baton Rouge branch of the NAACP, Eugene Weatherspoon Collins. Mr. Collins, thank you so much for taking the time to come and share with us
1: today. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Pastor. Uh, I've always uh, admired you from afar, and it's a pleasure to sit here with you today.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. Let's start. Normally, I I, I try to ease in stuff. Tell me your story. So so I want to start with Tim Scott. (laughs) I I, I want to just jump right to Tim Scott. I I watched President Biden uh, give his address to Congress uh, last night Uh, as this is being taped. It's it's the night after the president uh, has spoken. uh, And I was drifting off to sleep when the response came on and Tim Scott came on. And I literally sat up in my bed when he said, let me make this clear. America is not a racist country. It was the biggest lie I have heard told by a politician uh, in a long, long time. So I, that's my feeling. As the president of the local branch of the NAACP, what say you about America and its racist
1: past? So, you know, when I first read some of the comments that that Tim Scott said, because uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you, past I refuse to watch Tim Scott. <laughs> I refuse, right? Uh, but I think Tim Scott, sadly, and today represents the thought of too many African Americans. Um, I think he's the only one with the courage to say it. Mm-hmm. But when we look around with some of the rhetoric and narrative that 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 are, that are being that's being spread by African Americans. We have largely lost the history that's attached to why this country is so racist, mm-hmm. right? We got to remember that this is one of the few countries that still identify people by race. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the few. If you go to Italy, they, they don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. They, they they identify you in other ways, not by race. Race was a, t- a term that was coined in this country by one of our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, to justify the treatment of the slave. Up until then, let's keep it real, people weren't known by race. They were known by John from England, uh, Joe from Spain, mm-hmm. uh, Jack from Africa, uh, the Africans as they called us, mm-hmm. right? Race was not a, a theme until this country created race mm-hmm. to justify the mistreatment of the slave to continue to justify why African-Americans weren't full humans. So not as, not only is Tim Scott just just profoundly dumb, he's all the way wrong Mm -hmm. this country created race Mm -hmm. Uh, they created racism right this is their baby Mm -hmm. um in in the way that we look at it like in in the context now now if you go back historically you can see race start to pop up in the 1600s but this country made it a thing right it institutionalized Mm -hmm. it right um so this country was founded on those principles the wealth was built by people that weren't even from here enslaved um but pastor that thought is represented with a ton of African Americans. Mm-hmm. When we see African Americans now, and they, um, we want to equate police violence to community violence. Say, well, what are you doing about crime in your own communities? I'm mm-hmm. like, have you took a look? Mm-hmm. Everybody working on it, just nobody. It's not working. It mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> doesn't mean we're not trying, right? But when we carry themes in that way, we forget where the rhetoric comes from. Mm-hmm. And in NAACP, we have uh, become known for suing people, right? We, 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 you don't. Do uh, something right uh, Mm -hmm. We'll sue you in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. And we don't have any angst about it, right? We agitate, uh, litigate Um, But you'll find that in 2021 African Americans will sometimes frown upon that Like the the NAACP always suing people When they don't realize historically The context comes from white mothers Who were organizing in the 50s To fight against segregation So Mm -hmm. they organized a smear campaign Against the NAACP to talk about how the NAACP just came in and sued people because they were afraid of race, they were afraid of racial mixing of the population. They were afraid that they were going to have mixed grandkids, mm-hmm. so they f- formed this campaign and mm-hmm. taught this thing that history forgot. So sometimes African Americans don't really understand where they got these thoughts from. African Americans, right now, we—I'm gonna say that some of us are in a lost place. Mm-hmm. And Tim Scott exists because some of us believe that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's more of us than than what we might be willing to say. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now that Tim Scott is uh, trending in the wrong way, we might want to back off some Mm -hmm. of those principles. But I can tell you time and time again, people will say, well, why are we still talking about slavery? And I always, and then when people say that, I, I stop listening to them because that lets me know that you're idiotic. Right. Uh, because slavery is the in, is the institution that still perpetuates the very similar outcomes, right? Because right? we can talk about well, slavery is over. Hmm. Have you looked at the jail numbers lately? How many people are incarcerated in prison? You can make the argument that there's more incarcerated folks today working in free labor than there was ever during slavery, right? right. And so that system hasn't ever changed, and there were always the, there was there was always the free African, right? Uh, so. Yeah, you know that that system hasn't really changed the outcomes still are pretty much the same right mm-hmm. it's just today we don't have our leaders being killed there's because they have the media now they can kill you in other ways mm-hmm. uh, you're not being lynched because now they can put you in prison uh, for, for forever for nothing right mm-hmm. and get a lot of labor out you, um, or they can stop you on the side of the road and say they saw a remote that they thought was a gun um, so there's many different ways where the methodology has changed, Mm -hmm. but the outcomes are still very much the same. Tim Scott exists because other African Americans feel that way. Um, They're just not, they're afraid to say it, right? Mm -hmm. But we perpetuate that kind of stuff when we don't stop to look at how these things link, how these things tie. We know that crime is closely linked to poverty, But we want to have the personal responsibility conversation first. And although I agree with the personal responsibility conversation, because guess what? you got to do better. Some of that's on you. Mm -hmm. We leave out the fact that institutionally, you know, some of our neighborhoods were designed to perform that way. And we haven't we haven't really put jobs into those communities at the level that we should to stop crime. So how much of this is truly their fault? Now, some of it is, but some of it just isn't. Tim Scott to me represents the miseducation of the African in this country, mm-hmm. and sadly, too many of our people are miseducated in 2021.
0: 20 yeah, uh, I understand, and and I agree with everything you just said. Mm-hmm. I understand that that African Americans are not monolithic; we don't all yeah. think uh, along the same lines. I think that's one of the. Uh, mistaken ideas uh, that uh, some people in the dominant culture have that, that we all think different. the same way. Uh, I understand that uh, your economic experience will color your political uh, mm. ideology and, and, yeah. and other things. But to say that racism does not exist, <laughs> to, to say that it is a myth, to say that it is a lie that is perpetuated uh, by people who have a hidden agenda, and to be in the United States Senate, the sole African American in the United States Senate, and to have that position, uh, to voice that position, to me, it's beyond criminal. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's it's ignorance on steroids, and I wonder. I heard you say that there are others in 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 our community that hold that position. What is it that would cause people to look squarely in the face of, of racism? You don't have to go to car. You don't have to uh, sit down and do, fill out a mathematical equation to find it, is, it. It's right there. What is it that makes people deny what is clearly in front of them?
1: So uh, I mentioned some of it, right? Uh, which is one, miseducation. Two, I'm going to say it's income. But not just income of how much you make currently. It's income of how much your family has made and for how long, right? Mm-hmm. I, I look, I'll use myself for an example, right? I, I'm a kid that's right up there from Boulevard Bottom, right? Um, and there's certain things that I was taught that I know, that I understand, that my kids don't. And that's just about where I was raised. Um, my grandfather was closely l- linked to a generation that was just different. So he taught me some things. Um but I look at my kids now and they're they're typical small middle-class kids, Mm -hmm. right? There's a certain level of privilege that they have. Mm -hmm. And unless I, and I'm going to say this, do a better job of teaching them Mm -hmm. how we got here. Mm -hmm. They don't have an understanding for it. right? Right. And I think we're starting to see in this generation, a generation of, folks that just don't understand the plight of black people, the, the the way we've been and how we got here, because that hasn't been their struggle. There wasn't their dad's struggle. It mm-hmm. wasn't at this point, it may not have been their grand, granddad's struggle, depending on how old granddad is, mm-hmm. right? Um, because those things were already done to them. I talked to a group of kids yesterday, uh, uh, maybe it was the day before yesterday, and we were talking about um, voting rights and wh- how important it was, and I was telling them how many people had made the sacrifices for them to have the ability to vote right and the first thing they tell me is that hey i didn't know those people they weren't my family because we haven't stopped to teach our history mm-hmm. and if you do that for generations you end up with a people that's lost his cultural identity mm-hmm. um we look at the native americans in this country right and the native americans um doing the Orleans they lost what 70 percent of the population here in, in the united states 70 percent in north america um but they lost their culture because they fought to the death to protect it, and they knew they were losing, right? But they fought to the death to preserve the way that they were living. And you can still see remnants of their culture exist because they fought for it. Yes. Um we never did that, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. We, that that wasn't our, our thing. So we see some of those things fading away. So it's miseducation. It's it's a lack of cultural identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're one mm-hmm. of the few culture that cultures that we can't. Like hang our hat on something being something culturally that we do. Mm-hmm. Everything that we do is, is almost an American ideal, right? Even the fact that we gather on Thanksgiving, that's like well, it's American. It's not, it's not African American. How we practice and celebrate Christmas, that, that's American. Yeah. Even how we church is American, mm-hmm. right? Um, we don't have remnants of our culture. You look at Hawaiian, they, they, they have their cultural things that they have to do. The Native Americans have their cultural things that they have to do. The Vietnamese in this country, Chinese, whatever. They all have this identity that that we lack. I think Tim Scott is dangerous because I see more Tim Scott's coming behind him mm-hmm. because we don't understand how detrimental racism has been to our plight. And literally we'll say, we'll look at companies and say, well, that company is diverse. But when you walk in the office, you don't see any, you don't see black people in corner offices. Right. You don't see them in boardrooms. You see them pushing brooms and mops. Right. That's, that's, that's not, right. that's not, that may be diversity, but it's not inclusion.
0: We think that a middle management position in a corporation means that you have arrived yeah you don't see them in boardrooms you don't see them uh holding upper management uh executive positions within these corporations uh and and i agree with you again Uh, it has a lot to do with mindset and miseducation if there are more tim scotts out there uh that are coming up What's our response to that? How, how do we regain uh, the educational advantage that we have lost and that we have forfeited?
1: we got to stop the Tim Scotts from getting what Tim Scott got. You know, because we we got to acknowledge that for Tim Scott to be, like you said earlier, the only African-American in, in the Senate, means that he had to go through some lower level stuff where black people accepted mm-hmm. him at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we forget when we hear the story of Harriet Tubman. Right, As she went, came to the South, and uh, she she took thousands of uh, the freedom. Right, um, we for, we forget to tell the small pieces of that story because sometimes we're uncomfortable telling it because even though it's, it, it, it's historical fact, it's, it still was violent in nature. Right, Harriet ain't take everybody with her. You know, she left some folks behind. Yes. And even when she took you, if you if you ventured or you swayed in any way, she put a bullet in you. No. We take too many people with us hoping that they change. Mm-hmm. When everybody ain't with us. All skin folk ain't kin folk. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes we don't wanna say that, mm-hmm. but not everybody that looks like me is for the plight of my people, mm-hmm. uh, for the betterment of my people, not not everybody that looks like me is on my side. Mm-hmm. And we we as you spoke to it earlier, we are not a monolith, and we got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. If you are that Tim Scott figure, great, but go be Tim Scott in the corner. And we ain't gonna ever vote for you for nothing. <laughs> we let Tim Scott grow, yeah, and we got to stop that as African Americans. We knew he was detrimental when he ran for whatever lower level position, and we put him there, but. We put too many Tim Scotts in roles like that. I can point out a few Tim Scotts around Baton Rouge. I'm sure
0: you can, <laughs> and and I can too. But I I have tried to make it a point to not speak in a in a, in a negative way about mm-hmm. African American. There's yeah. enough of that going on. It's too uh, much. Uh, but I I couldn't help but but look at <laughs> Senator Scott last night mm-hmm. and say. Has he lost his mind?
1: Uh, and Pastor, you said something that I want to talk about because you know I was trained from the old school, right? I, my grandfather, you know, he, and my grandmother, they raised me. They taught me old school ways, right? Um, I was trained how to do this work early on by Reverend Mary Moody. So mm-hmm. I was trained in, in, in the old school way of doing things. So still to this day, I don't even know how to call black people out, right? Because yeah. that I was always taught you don't do that. If right. you have a problem with your brother, or your sister, you, you take care of it in, in the background. Crew. Right, um, but that do not seem to be working in 2021, yeah. and I don't know how to get away from it. I'll yeah. be honest with you because it's embedded in me. But it, it, until we start doing that, Tim Scott can end up in the Senate.
0: Well, yeah. let's let, let, let's turn the page because <laughs> I can stay there for a minute. Tell me about Eugene College. You went to Terra High School, uh, yeah. left here at some point and went to
1: Iowa for, for I a would, minute. Did, no, and, I would, So I I, I actually left here and done work with the uh, Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals pretty much for a number of years. Uh, Still monitor Baton Rouge, but worked in um, Lafayette for a while, worked in New Orleans for a while, uh, monitoring contracts there. Mm -hmm. I received my bachelor's degree uh, in social sciences from Upper Hour University. Okay. but I, I worked all over it in, in government mm-hmm. for who um, 10, 11 years mm-hmm. before I came back uh, to the community side of things. Uh, been back on the community side of things now, uh, close to another decade. <laughs> um, but it, you know that's been Eugene is uh, I dedicated my career to public service. Mm-hmm. Uh, started my career in public health, um, and I tell you when I working in public health. I got to see the failures of a system on a policy level. Mm-hmm. I got to see how policy actually affected the outcomes of people's healthcare. Mm-hmm. You, you got the witnesses. You got to see the numbers. You got to pull the data, right? Right. So after a while of sitting there, when I say a while, it was a decade, I got to know that there was no change coming from in, inside of that bureaucratic system. Mm-hmm. Just, it, it wasn't possible. It wasn't designed that way. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to make a change in this community. Um, so I came back and went to work at a very qualified health center, right, in mm-hmm. the largest standing STD clinic in the region for about five years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bef- be- that was before the NAACP. Um, so my work uh, here in Baton Rouge has been totally around public service mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a social scientist by trade so that's all I do is study uh, the movements of people and how the environments affect them.
0: So as a social scientist, as mm-hmm. someone who who has been on both sides yeah. of, of the policy debate, uh, inside and now outside trying to affect positive change. What is it that you see as being the most critical element in creating the kind of change that would be beneficial to our community?
1: Voting. I I mean, if we look at the last uh, few voter turnouts, right? Even the good voter turnout is really bad when you look at it in other populations. Mm -hmm. We've accepted that subpar is okay, right? Mm We mostly end up with elected officials that don't really represent the community because the community didn't really vote. Mm-hmm. If you have a 20% turnout, that still means that 20% of the registered voters turned out, which means that only 20% of the folks in that community voted for you. Mm-hmm. Another 80% are usually going to other sources, so mm-hmm. they've just lost hope in the political system, right? Mm-hmm. Until we get out and vote in high numbers, we're going to continually end up with what we end up with. Um, and I say all this all the time. I think that some of our elected officials are great people, right? Just awesome individuals. But I've said in too many rooms where we lose because of their capacity. Mm-hmm. and And, and that's not a knock on anybody, any, any individual. But we have to start electing and choosing better leaders. And when I say choosing better leaders, because not every leader is uh, elected. Some are chosen. Mm-hmm. we got to choose some leaders that actually have the capacity to sit in these rooms and win. Because mm-hmm. these days are just trying. Mm-hmm. That ain't working for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got to get some folks that can win. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we just we, we've we done way too much losing I think the first piece starts with voting I think second is education we we gotta start teaching our kids again who these folks are that gave up their life and their, their, their financial opportunities so that they can vote we got kids walking up and down Gus Young every day and they don't even know who Gus Young is mm-hmm. so we gotta get back into the education of who these people were because we say well they have no pride in their community who was teaching them that's your fault. Yeah. Who was telling them why well, they should have pride in their community? How does a kid live on Gus Young and live near Gus Young and they don't know who Gus Young is? That's because nobody told them. That's not their fault. We were too busy telling them to pull up their pants. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we took a little time to explain who Gus Young was, they might have pulled them up themselves. Mm-hmm. But that education piece, I think voting is paramount. And identifying who's really for us and who's really for themselves. Mm-hmm. We're losing because the trees of repression in this town in Baton Rouge, and I shake a lot of them, right? Every tree that I shake, some white people fall out. but Some black people fall out, mm-hmm. too. And until we acknowledge that, we're going to always be in a position that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to step outside of just being comfortable and get comfortable being uncomfortable. And some of us that have more influence than others, we have to get comfortable with not being invited to the parties. Mm We got to be, we got to get comfortable with not being invited to the table some of the rooms. Mm -hmm. We got to walk like Jesus did. We got to walk in some temples and flip over tables. And until we do more of that, we're going to consistently get the same outcomes that we've been getting.
0: You talk about voting. I understand the value of voting. There's not an election in my adult life that I have not voted in uh, even when the odds were astronomically against my prevailing. <laughs> uh, I still feel like it's my responsibility to those who came before me to exercise uh, my right to vote. However, that being said, one of the the troublesome things that exist right now is systemic uh, impediments to the efficacy of the Mm african-american vote through these gerrymandered districts (laughs) that uh says yeah okay you you can go ahead and vote but we're going to put you in a district where your vote essentially does not matter or, or, or does not affect change just had the census uh done last year early reports is that Uh, there will be no change in congressional uh, numbers of seats, which doesn't bother me one way or the other. Uh, In a state where a third of the electorate is African American, Mm -hmm. it does not make sense to me that there's only one majority-minority congressional district. Uh, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm not a politician. But basic math tells me that if you're one third of the population and there are six seats, then two of them ought to be set aside for you. Mm-hmm. So we have to do a better job of uh, making sure that these maps are drawn in an equitable fashion to allow for uh, us to not only vote, but for our vote to start to make a difference uh, in our uh, representation beyond congress the state legislature uh and 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 the way that those lines are drawn are in such a way that uh again our our vote is mitigated by Mm -hmm. the fact that we're stacked and packed in districts uh where uh, if if you do have a black elected representative uh it's 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 so heavily stacked in that person's favor. 75, 80% of the vote is black. But if you live in a predominantly white district, you're only 10% of the electorate. Uh, Mm. uh, And the politician who wins that seat has no practical reason to listen to your concerns because he knows that you're only 10% of the vote redistricting to me is a major issue uh for 2021 and beyond what is the position what is your position and what is the position of the NAACP with regard to redistricting
1: so we we know some of that might be fixed with the census data right mm-hmm. and we still did a terrible job but advocating and making folks aware of the census and why the census is important, right? But I still think we're going to get some positive trends out of that. Um, But you're exactly right. When we look at redistricting and remapping, that's a very important process that most of us miss. And in this next season, when this stuff is about to happen, we have to hold our policymakers' feet to the fire, if we see them at a party, we need to be at the party asking why they ain't at work because this moment is too mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. It's too important. Um, we know for a fact, and I, I sent you the complaint. We filed a complaint yes, um, against an organization challenging the nonprofit status because we felt like they were getting too involved in um, the remapping process of, of, of the districts in this state, right? Um And folks don't realize that the the Speaker of the House, or excuse me, our Senate leader here in Louisiana, um, basically hired the demographer that they're using to redraw the maps. Our Republican Senate leader Mm -hmm. hired the demographer, basically, uh, that's going to remap the districts in this state. So from the very beginning, we behind the eight ball. Right. So, so we've already missed the opportunity to plan to circumvent that process, right? So, the best we can do at this point is hold our policymakers feet to the fire, and making sure that they're in those rooms fighting mm-hmm. for the way those maps and they're carving out those districts, right? And it's gonna have to be some areas where, like, some districts are maybe sixty percent black and thirty percent white, or forty percent white, or thirty-five percent white. So that means you got to get out and you got to campaign. Actually, work. You, yeah, you got to work for it because yeah. districts are more mixed and Absolutely. black people don't show up the vote you could lose that city yes. we got to get more of those districts yes. and that's that's what equity looks like mm-hmm. right um it, it, so we 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 got to look at that in, in, in multi-faceted ways and, and we look at gentrification right and that's going to change some districts yes. over the next 20 years Our district 10 is it's one of those districts that that's that's on the cuffs of, of that that leadership kind of changing yeah. uh, faces right yeah. uh unless some stuff drastically changes mm-hmm. in, the last, in the next 20 years. So we look at that, right? And we know that these things are coming, but we do very little to plan around it. Our complaint was the only complaint filed. It should have been 20 or 30 complaints mm-hmm. filed. We should be making noise about that. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why is this demographer so connected to the Republican Party? But who's asking those questions, mm-hmm. right? There's a complaint that, that was filed. It got a little media traction, but we got three shares, three shares literally on that. And we send it to people, but people aren't paying attention to that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you see the demographer conne- so connected to the Republican party, that should send up red flags that they know how important this next season is. Right. We have to really demand that our leaders know how important this next season is to make sure that we don't have uh, that happen again. Cause even not just with the cor- congressional seats, I feel like we will get another African American con- congressional seat out of this, mm-hmm. but, our city council here locally, right? Yes. We have some seats that should just flip, right? Yes. Unless we're really engaged in that process, those seats will stay the same. No. And then outside of just the remapping, uh, redistricting, and rezoning, or depending on what board you're on or what what, what body you sit on, right? We got to just stop voting at our mama house, too. Let's keep it real. If you mm-hmm. live in Shenandoah, you need to vote in Shenandoah. Right. Like, you can't just go and vote at your mama house. They got right. enough people voting in the park. You know, they got enough black folk voting in the park. They don't need you to vote in the park. They could use your vote in Shenandoah. Right. Uh, they could use your vote overall for off, off O'Neal, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And in and, and some of those areas, they do have enough black people in the area, in the totality, to maybe see a face change in some of those mm-hmm. districts, right? Mm-hmm. only problem is we still registered to vote at our grandmama house right. uh, because we still want to vote in the community that we grew up in, mm-hmm. which, which is cool. And I know there's some sentimental value into that, but we could use your vote more heavily in District 9 than we could in District 10. Mm-hmm. And until we start to realize that as a people, um, we're going to continue to be in a situation where there's seven white votes to five white votes in a majority black town. Yeah. Um, and that just shouldn't exist. Yeah. That should not exist. Yeah. And, there's, and there's a whole lot of conversations we can have around that, around of government and all that stuff. But when we look at it, the mapping uh, in this next season, are not just... At the state house um so it's council level uh, school, board school board seats and all yeah. that stuff, we should come out of this with more democratic black seats, yeah if we don't shame on us shame on us, but rest assured, somebody got paid, mm-hmm. just do the information request and find out mm-hmm. because somebody got something under the table mm-hmm. or over the table because we ain't paying attention no way. No. Somebody got something. If we don't come out of this with more black seats,
0: I had not thought about the the thing where you may have moved, but you didn't move your registration to the area that you yeah. moved into. That, that 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 to me is a very good point uh, and and something that needs to be highlighted and emphasized. Uh, you, you mentioned plan of government. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there is a push uh, now, and and it started with the previous council, uh, the new incarnation of the council. Uh, has some members that are pushing uh, uh, proposed changes to the form of government for East Baton Rouge Parish and and I'm I'm not fully aware of every detailed idea but what I've seen leaves me troubled the idea of at-large seats At one point it was one, and then it was two. I think now it's back to one. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, The idea of uh, term limiting the mayor-president to two terms while the Metro Council remains at three terms. To me, there are racial overtones attached to this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Part of their problem is uh, since, well, the last five mayoral elections have been won by an African-American. Uh, uh, and and so, somebody is saying, "Well, we need to do something to 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 curtail that, to to stop that." The idea of an at-large council seat is essentially making another mayor. Uh, if 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 the entire parish gets to vote on someone who sits uh, on the metro council, the, the the entire parish votes on who's occupies the mayor's office as well. You're essentially making another mayor, which, again, serves to to limit the strength, the efficacy of the mayor president's office. My point of view. I'm not trying to say mm-hmm. what yours is. I'm, I'm asking, mm-hmm. have you looked at the proposed plan, changes in the plan of government, and what's your opinion of it?
1: So we actually just looked at it this week, right? Um, we actually had um, a, a I think one or two of the council members come to our membership meeting and actually present on it this Monday. Um, and we bring everything in the membership to see what position we're going to take on it. And, I, and as you were saying, I like, you must be in, in our group meet, because uh, they're going uh, back and forth on this. Because you, you, you hear the arguments, right, that, hey, well, even if it is a parish wide probably still going to be an African-American. But then you have the other arguments like, hey, that's all dependent on, on voter turnout and all that good stuff, yeah. right? Um, I think that there's definitely some parts of that plan that's just going to have to be fleshed out. Because, mm-hmm. one, uh, we opposed that plan in 2019, I mm-hmm. believe, with the two at-large at large seats. Uh, and the reason we, we used it opposed it then was that we felt like it it diluted the black vote, which was a direct uh, violation of the Voting Rights Act. Right. Um, I don't—the the way the current— plan sits. I don't know if it still violates the Voting Rights Act, but I do think that some things and some pieces of it are problematic, and we will be deciding, actually, uh, taking a vote at our next executive committee meeting, whether we're going to uh, support, oppose, mm-hmm. or, or, or stay out of it. And mm-hmm. I can just tell you from looking at our, our group meeting this morning, uh, our members mostly feel like you feel, right? Um, and, and it's a hard one, right? Because I, I understand the argument that this parish-wide seat will be African-American, mm-hmm. more than likely, with the, way, with the way the numbers are shaking out. But at the same time, that's a, that's something that's pretty much predicated the voter turnout. So we mm-hmm. could end up in a situation that's far worse um, in a season where we know we're probably going to gain a seat or two on the council when the census data totally shakes right. out over the next few years, right? Right. Um, so it's it, it's it's one of those hard things, and I I wish we had take took a vote on it because I could tell you how we sat, mm-hmm. uh, but we hadn't voted on it yet. Um, but I will say that it, you know, in all all in all of those things is like we gotta be engaged in that stuff. We gotta read this plan and not just leave it up to the folks that's down there mm-hmm. right we got to be engaged in that process because creating that large seat still creates another seat for somebody to run for us. so we, we got to be very conscious of what people tell us about it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah that that is something that that we are watching closely and we we have sought information huh? mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in talks with the with the person proposing it and we want to understand it because one thing i i, I um one one mistake I, I made with that last time, um, and I'll say it was it was a mistake, and I, I might have been in my second month as president, right? Is that I dropped the letter just opposing it without talking to the membership, right? Which you don't do, mm-hmm. um, and, and three years in, into my, my my leadership, I understand that. Um, so I, this time we sent it to the membership, mm-hmm. but all in all, I do feel that three years ago when we opposed it and used the Voting Rights Act to To make that opposition, we were right at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't truly know if we're right just yet on on, on this particular time, but we will know something because mm-hmm. uh, we're breaking it down and we're dissecting it, and we're gonna give the people the correct information so that we we can all make a good decision. Um, and that's that's kind of where we're at on that because you know the NAACP historically, uh, and, and you I know you know Dr. J. You talk to him all the time, and he still talk about this. Acts, like when are we gonna make that push again and separate the city? The parish government. because right. uh, so, you know some of those some of those old schoolers in civil rights, they truly believe that the only way to equity is to a- separate the city parish government yeah. now you see some of the newer people coming along that don't really believe that no. because we are we kind of looking at the numbers yeah. and we see that just number wise and yeah. especially with this new census data coming out um, we're gonna gain a seat or two yeah. um, so we feel like there's some balance in that especially if we can mobilize people to get to the polls yeah. uh, I ran um in district 9 um, I think that was in 2016 uh, 2016 or 2017 um, and we ran based on there were a lot of Democratic voters in that district. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought it was multiple Republicans, one Democrat, might be able to slip through here and do some things. And we ran a really good race, right? Really good race. And I always knew that I wasn't a candidate to to win in that district, right? Because I'm, I'm connected to the NAACP in the majority of the Republican district, probably probably a real long shot. Um, but my hope was to show somebody else that could be a better candidate that it could be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we found in that is that we, we ran a race that showed that flipping that district to to a blue district was very much possible. Mm-hmm. Having a black person run in that district and win was very much possible. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't the candidate, mm-hmm. but it was possible. Um, so we look at this current form of government push we one we have to ensure that it's 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 a bad plan before we speak on it um uh, and then two we gotta ensure that we're not moving too fast in a situation that we're about to win anyway mm-hmm. uh yeah. you know so it it it, it, it it's it's up there and i wish i had put more time into it before i came on the show because we just we just got that presentation on monday yeah. uh to to really look through and, and i'm wondering what changes are in there with this one, that was that's any different than what we well, opposed in twenty nineteen. I do know that they went
0: back and revised a couple. Of yeah, years. there were supposed to be two at large seats, and the way they broke it down was really uh, weird, uh, for lack of a better term. One was going to be an at large seat within uh, the incorporated part of Baton Rouge, and one was going to be in the unincorporated mm-hmm. areas of the city. So now, now, now you're making three uh, uh, at large, uh, uh, three parish-wide mm. seats. Uh, only one of the at-large seats could have served as mayor pro tem, uh, according to the previous plan. Now, I don't know if, if the at-large seat automatically becomes mayor pro tem under the new plan or not, but it's all, in my opinion, designed to uh, reach back and grab control of something that you now see you have lost control of. And it's being done by the dominant culture Uh, because if you can't win under the rules you change the rules uh, to something that is more palatable to your perspective and your philosophy in order to to get it's amazing to me how we want to stand on rules until the rules don't work in your favor and then all of a sudden we need to change the rules all this talk about voting rights changes and 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 curtailing early voting <laughs> all this is because is, is you started to lose <laughs> it, it wasn't a problem as long as you were winning uh, yeah. and 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 they keep claiming that they're trying to maintain the integrity of the vote when there is no empirical data no empirical data at all that suggests that voter integrity has somehow been besmirched and yet it continues to go on
1: When folks are losing, they usually want to change the rules. (laughs) That's how it is. Uh, And and that's why I say we got to be cautious with all this stuff because we know for a fact that the the system on the ropes, whether Mm -hmm. you believe that or not, like folks are losing. Like like for the first time in a long time since I've been around, you see some traction on some things, Mm -hmm. right? You see some things kind of shaking and moving just a little bit. You, You know we got an African-American police chief and an African-American state police colonel at the same mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, y- y- you start to see that there's little increments of change and we have to be open to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you bring up a great example because I remember just reading about when this government in baton rouge was originally consolidated mm-hmm. um and it was consolidated and mayor dumas said hey, you you consolidate this government so that you maintain power uh because they understood the city was going in a direction that this city was going to be pretty much predominantly black at some yes. point so they consolidated the government they at looked that
0: time. 80 miles down the road to new Orleans, and saw yeah. what was happening and said we don't want that to happen here
1: yeah. That's so, what happened. So our current form of government was formed to dilute the black voting power, yes. right? Now, we've overcame that because they didn't project how fast we would grow in this city. But that originally was put in place to do exactly what you're talking about, right? And and, and I, now I've read the stories. I'm not old enough. And I went to the um, <laughs> public library and found a picture. But at that time, uh, I think Mayor Doom has actually brought in Red Fox to come to Baton Rouge and knock doors and promote consolidating the government in the black community. So if somebody knock on your door talking about former government, if especially if it's Red Fox, you better be careful with Red Foxes. you know, he ain't around the no most. So if Red Fox knock on your door, you know, call somebody. But if people knock on your door with this, you should have questions. Yeah. Um, because historically uh-huh. that's what's been done to us. So, um, I think this one gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. and I really need to find out more about it. Because I don't want to misspeak Because I need to find out more. We about
0: also it. have to be careful about who the messenger
1: is. Yeah, you got to be careful uh, with that.
0: Because this issue came up under the previous council. The persons who brought it up uh, in that uh, time frame are no longer on the council. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a current council person is is really lobbying hard for this under the, the, the pretense that it's just about informational purposes, you know? We, we just wanna make sure that we get a full airing of this. Well, they had a full airing and it was rejected. And so, why are you trying to bring it back? Now, there is something in it that they see uh, that perhaps the, the rest of the public has not yet uh, been made privy to, that I agree with you, bears watching. Comes bring, brings me back to this whole idea of St. George. Uh, 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 St. George couldn't win on its own. They couldn't get enough uh, signatures uh, to get on the ballot uh, the first time around, so they went back and cut out all the African American neighborhoods and, and the large pockets of uh, progressive voters and put it back out and they got the petition they were able to get it on the ballot Uh, they won the election but they don't have a plan all the mayor president has asked for is a plan show me how you're going to pay for what it is you say that you're going to do and show me how it does not adversely affect uh, the city parish budget and you would think that with all of this cutting in and out of people that somebody would have come up with a cohesive plan for a budget they don't have it uh, they, they've gone all the way around the world just to get an independent school district, because that's what this is really all about. It's, it's, it's not about a city. It's, a about district. An, it's about an independent school district. And I'm of the mind, if you want to go, go. If you want a divorce from the, the, the city, then go. But pay. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that, that that's what happens when, when, when there is a separation you got to pay for certain things this whole idea of leaving legacy costs with the parish the, this whole idea of being able to take schools in total without paying for <laughs> any of them out into this new independent saint george school district that should not be allowed to happen
1: my point of view No, nah, and then and, and, and senator Bodie white also trying to split up brick now to get us some that. money for a park yeah uh, <laughs> yeah so you know, you know that, that, that i feel a lot of different ways about saint george right one I, I don't really believe it's about a school district anymore because there's other ways to get in an independent school district than just uh the route you took maybe easier ways too right um, when you look at uh, how school districts are formed around this country and I'm not saying that you should have took this route, but decertifying the school board here locally mm-hmm. could have created a situation where you had your own school district. And that would put oversight of the school system under Mayor Broome. Um And that would take a small legislative change, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you didn't press for that. That that probably was a clear route to getting your own district, right? You didn't press for that. You press for a new city, which kind of makes me believe that it ain't about a school district at all. Okay. This, this is about white people wanting their own space. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to change that. Mm-hmm. Like they, 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 Throughout the history of this country, white folks have always wanted their own space. Mm-hmm. That That's just the reality. And I think if, even if you kill this, it's going to be something else because they have. That, that population of people have always wanted their own space, right? So I, I feel that way about it, right? When, when our members ask us, hey, are, you, are we going to sue on it? I'm like, we, we sue them now? We're going to be suing somebody else in the next five years over near Ascension or whatever, right? Because this has always been the, the, the pediment of this country is that this 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 happens, right? And this, this isn't the first time, right, in, in, in the history of Louisiana. Like, this happens all the time um so i don't believe that it has i've never believed it was about a school district because there were just easier routes to attain that uh and some of those routes heck we might have agreed with you on (laughs) you know so uh i I never got that it was about a school district um and and, you know i am a believer that we we i am a believer that education in this town probably needs to be with the mayor's office right Mm -hmm. nobody else believes that right because that's totally depending on who the mayor is at the time and how school goes but you know that's just always been a personal belief that I shared right Mm -hmm. um but when we look at the mythical village of St. George because you know it's not real Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know the, the reality of it is is that you know, if you're going to go and start your own city, it's like you said. At bare minimum, tell us how you're gonna pay for it, and that you're not pulling away from resources in, a, in an already cash scrapped system. Uh, that you're not pulling away from resources that that could be that could go to our communities, right? And that school that you want to take was built on the backs of poor kids, because Absolutely. we know the way that schools get funded, and is funded based on how many poor kids exist in that district. Mm-hmm. So our kids built you a school. Mm-hmm. Now you wanna take it and put Saint George on it. Mm-hmm. People are gonna feel a certain type of way about it. So I think what you're saying is exactly fair, right? Tell us how you tell us how you're paying for this. Um and if you don't have a clear plan plan, uh you know, I'm happy that our mayor is continuing to push back on I am that. Also. I'm happy on that. Um one of the things I really agree with our own is continue to push back on that and how you're paying for it because mm-hmm. Ten years down the line, we weren't clear on that and it's still costing us money, still mm-hmm. costing us those legacy legacy costs like you talked about, then, then we're in a losing position while another town is thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not something that that, that that we can stand for. But at the same time, if people want to go form their own city and people vote for it, by all means, you, you went through the process and you won. Right. Um, but tell us how you're going to do it. Right. And if you don't have a plan, then what what, what are we doing? Right.
0: I, I, I totally agree. I was with you and uh, members of the NAACP, uh members of some other of social justice groups on Monday, uh, talking about uh happenings within the Baton Rouge Police Department. Uh evidence of corruption uh within the police department arrests that have been made, uh narcotics department that has been completely overturned uh, and as a result uh, hundreds uh, of cases uh, have been thrown out uh, because of their connection with these corrupt police officers and what uh, you all were asking for the NAACP was asking for and what we agree with is that there be greater transparency uh, not just with this particular case but with prosecutions and with law enforcement as a whole. Am I correct that the NAACP is asking for a citizen's oversight committee uh, to review the entirety of the Baton Rouge Police Department, Or, or is it, Just specific to this particular corruption situation?
1: So it's actually just specific to these cases in this specific situation, right? Uh, Around this corruption with the Narcotics Division. We're not asking for complete oversight. Um, that, that wasn't our thought. Our thought was like, making sure that every case attached to this narcotics unit in, in the midst of this corruption was reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens with the district attorney, not not internally with BRPD, because the district attorney actually sends those folks to jail, mm-hmm. reviews the cases, prosecutes, prosecutes them or not. Mm-hmm. So we're seeking oversight with the district attorney's office to help in a way. Um, you know, we the ACLU has come on board with this. The Legislative Black Caucus has come on board with this. Um, it, it Step Up has come on board with this yourself. Uh, I mean we we we're all on board with the fact that we want to be at the table looking at these cases so that we can tell people that hey we went back as far as we should have mm-hmm. or hey everybody uh, that should have been released that got drugs planted on them or that were targeted uh, that, that that we learned in the interview last night that was targeted uh, had an opportunity to have that case heard or at least reviewed, mm-hmm. and right now we can't honestly say that. We got to take our district attorney's word on it that that he's doing everything he can do, and I, you know, and I believe that he's trying, right? Because mm-hmm. every every, and I tell people this all the time. Every experience I've had with our district attorney has been pleasant. I find him to be a very nice man. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that he really wants to do well. But that's not enough for me to tell the people that we serve. Um, in order to be able to speak to this with confidence, we have to be able to see it, mm-hmm. and that's the push that uh, our social justice chair and our, our resident public defender, Ms. Elena Blowworth, is pushing for that transparency, so mm-hmm. that we can be honest when we tell the people that mm-hmm. we serve that we did everything we could do to make sure that these we went back as far as we we could have, is that that we looked at every case and that. Uh, you know miss 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 Mary's son you know we we checked into him too, and right now we can't say that. we get a list of charges they dropped right, and that's not good enough right This is an unprecedented situation in Baton Rouge. You can't do this like you would business as usual. It can't be done that way, but i, I so we're gonna to continue to make that push pastor and I'm glad you brought that up because what I am disappointed in is the lack of political response mm-hmm. like past the groups like ours. Have brought this case to light. Groups like ours and Chief Murphy Paul doing his job. Like I mean, we don't talk about that enough, right? He's doing his job. Yeah. Like he got a complaint, investigated it, found out what was happening, and made an arrest. Yes. And in 2021, inside of policing, that looks like a great deal, but really, that's his job. Like he did his job, Uh, and, and and and. Chief Murphy Paul doing his job, groups like ours continue to advocate, continue to push, continue to place ourselves in uncomfortable positions, have brought these things out to the tune of now over 700 cases have been dropped. Where's the political response with this? They ain't even shared an article outside of the legislative black caucus and the support that we have there. Locally, where's where's the fire? Mm -hmm. Where's the narrative? Where's the word? Like, who said anything, right? Um, And literally, there isn't a case ever in Baton Rouge that have seen 700 cases drop because of corruption, and not one political leader locally has said a word? Mm -hmm. That's troubling.
0: And we don't know if it stops at 700 or if it's 7,000. We simply don't. No. Uh, w- one of the points that was made at the press conference was uh, simply dropping the charges uh, it's can't not enough. be enough. enough. There has to be complete expungement of, of these records uh, for the economic security of those who were charged. It's very difficult. It's hard enough to get a job, period. But it's very difficult to get a job if, if you've been uh, the subject of a narcotics arrest. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and as long as that exists on your record, it's going to be problematic.
1: And we got to say something soon. Our leaders have to say something soon because let's just keep it real. This is a major class action suit in oven cooking. Yeah. Because not only with the expungement stuff, and these people shouldn't have to pay to have their records no, expunged. No, they should
0: not. It should just it, be
1: done. It should just be done, right? But yes. we know it ain't necessarily like that at the current moment, right? Yeah. Uh, and not only that, like, they had to pay a bondsman to get out of jail. Right. right? They lo- they may have lost a job. Right. Which means they could have lost a house, could have lost an apartment, could have lost a car, anything, right? Um, they had to pay an attorney. They lost wages, could have this lost their families. Could have lost families. Could have yes. lost wives. Boo might have left. That is correct. <laughs> you know, past that. Just keep it real. That is correct. This is a major class action suit in the oven cooking. And I, and I think some of that can be averted just if we have more of our political leaders talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not asking for folks to come out and just... Cause just to, just to weigh on anything too heavily, right? But something. Let us know that you're working on it. Let right. us know that you're looking into it. Right. Because this is an unprecedented situation in Baton Rouge. Nothing is it's still very quiet. Yeah. Like, 700 cases have been dropped and it still seems very quiet. Yeah. Like, literally, we as a New York pastor, they be marching in the streets sure. right now. Uh, in Baton Rouge, is business as usual. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm lost on this oh, one. No. Um, you know, and I'm lost on this one. I really am. And I'm going to be honest, without Jeremiah Arwin being brave enough to step forward, without a police chief being willing to do his job, I don't know where we are with this. It, 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 it's the courage and bravery of two men. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason we're here.
0: Well, it, it, it also speaks to the ongoing war uh that's taking place between police administration mm-hmm. and the police union,
1: which is uh, atrocious. While, while
0: we were in the press conference downstairs in <laughs> front of City Hall, uh, the, the municipal board, the, the, the police and fire municipal board was upstairs uh, in the Metro Council chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a marathon 14-hour meeting (laughs) uh, trying to get a guy's job back who is a corrupt police officer, uh, who's a lazy police officer, uh, who was fired for cause. And uh, in in spite of uh, the insistence of the chief of police that he was not going to be bullied at the end of the day, the guy got his job back.
1: Pastor, that's that was so much wrong with that meeting, right? Yes. Um, I, I say, I say, I spent the night there because I basically did, right? Uh, we we were there a long time that night. Um, first thing with that with the civil service board meeting and and this constant struggle with the union and the current chief of police. And I'm gonna say this here, right? And, and Pastor, please please excuse me if I wasn't supposed to. Their problem with Chief Murphy Paul is that they have the answer to a black man. That is correct. That's just it. That's the only and problem. The, and
0: they're answering way. to a, a black man, because there have been other black, <laughs> black chiefs of yeah. police. They're answering to a black man who's making them work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, we did, we, oh yeah. As
0: opposed to sitting in offices and drinking coffee mm-hmm. and, and making passes at women as they pass through. Yeah. They're actually being made to do work
1: and it was never more evident in that meeting the racial undertones in that meeting was disgusting yeah um it was utterly disgusting. We we had one, uh, the the Mr. Krill's attorney was comparing a video that somebody made on TikTok, uh, officer made on TikTok uh, in his uniform. Uh, it was a playful video that he did for his kids, right? And I was familiar with the situation, so she brought it up. But she kept saying that he did the video with rap music in the background. She kept saying it, rap music in the background, rap music in the background, because she understood the racial undertones of Absolutely. what that meant. Absolutely. And she played on it again and again and again and the chair sat there and let her do it right i i really believe that somebody needs to review the minutes of that civil service hearing because i i truly believe they should get sued for the way that meeting was chaired mm-hmm. they should get sued for the way that meeting was facilitated it was totally outside of the bounds um so that's the first problem with that meeting and and then to hear the next day that chief murphy paul Possibly could have violated the law because he got aggressive with another officer. Yeah. and you paint again this picture of an angry, angry black, black man. man, not a passionate one. Yes, not a passionate one, an angry black man. Yes, when all he did was very passionate about the way he served the people of our city, right? Yes, um, and that goes right along with the racial stereotypes that they always play. And you talked about Tim Scott earlier because we, some of us, got a little Tim Scott in us because we start believing some of that crap, yeah. right? When the reality of it is, is that. That's how passionate individuals that's, that's 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 what they do uh and, and and i'm gonna tell you it's hard to control because sometimes i'm like that right and, mm-hmm. I, and i try to work on it pastor i, try, I, I was told, telling another friend of mine earlier this week uh, pastor friend it was just like hey i'm praying for every day for God to soften my heart because i know this work hardens you right mm-hmm. so you got to always pray to make sure that you that, that, that you're feeling that humility and you need to, to just to be soft because if not nobody wants to be around you because if you're on 10 all the time people are like I ain't gonna do that right yeah. but <laughs> that particular meeting you saw racial undertone at the racial undertone at the racial undertone and they even painted the police chief as an angry black man. Yeah. And I just thought for a second ain't no hope for my sons if they can paint the chief of police yes. that way. Yes. Ain't no hope for my sons. If the chief of police can be painted that way ain't no hope for my sons. I understand. But it happened and it was allowed to happen, right? Um... And then at the end of that meeting, uh, which was somewhere around midnight, uh, I had an information request that I had gotten, which showed that Officer Krill not only sent one email that his lawyer lied to the Super Service Board meeting and said he only sent one email. I came with about 50 that he had sent, right? And back and forth, he not only negotiated these billboards on the clock, he designed them. He put the data together. He went through succinctly putting these billboards together with wrong data. I might have had, right? He used one stat talking about Baton Rouge was the fifth most deadliest uh, city in the nation which is was accurate per Fox News, but what he left out was that at the time those billboards up, went up the murder rate was actually going down. Mm-hmm. Um the murder rate didn't pick back up until after they put the billboards up. Which we won't ever talk about, like if that has sociologically had an impact on murder rates, right? Because all we know is the billboards went up and then murder rates went back up. Right. Well at the time, at the time, murder rates were actually going down. Right. The moment they brought awareness to it, it went back up. Now I know other factors fact into that, and crime and murders in the totality in this country went up during COVID, right? Um, that that socially, that's just how it worked, right? Um, but they lied about that. Lied about how the data was collected. Collected. the data was not from a city source it was from the coroner's office which collects parish-wide data so what they presented on the billboards were misleading mm-hmm. lawyer lied about that mm-hmm. right um <laughs> lied about how many emails were sent so at the end of that meeting i put the emails uh on all of their desks up front uh, on all of the board members desks uh i didn't see any of them pick the emails so up to see that this guy sent over 50 emails mm-hmm. why on the clock and i, I just think about what a horrible example that sets for other civil service employees. It tells them basically that they can do whatever on the clock and be upheld. Now, they can't actually do that because they're not a part of the police union. But <laughs> that's what you basically said that night. But essentially what you have said yeah.
0: to Officer Creel is I can go back to work. And
1: do whatever I want. And do whatever I want. And continue to design. And nobody the can clock. say
0: anything to me about it or else we'll end up right back in here yeah. again
1: because if it was one email yeah it's a suspension mm-hmm. but it wasn't one email that it was correct. over 50. yeah um and and that that just sent the wrong message because if you can't fire a guy for for not doing this job that's because essentially that's what it boils down to he wasn't, is. he wasn't doing his job if you can't fire a guy for not doing his job it gives me really little hope they can fire anybody for anything
0: and as someone who is responsible for a group of people. Mm. I need to have the authority, the latitude to To deal with with people the way I see fit. Yeah. You're telling the chief of police that you sit in a seat, but you don't have the authority to handle personnel matters the way that you see fit. Uh, And at some point, the chief of police is gonna say, okay, I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to Baltimore. I'm going, I'm going someplace else where I don't have to deal with this.
1: He uh, should. I'm trying to figure out why he's still here. I'll be honest with you because they would love him somewhere else. Yeah. I, I work these kind of cases all over the state, right? Uh, and I can tell you right now with the situation that happened to Mr. Ronald Green outside of Monroe, right? Um, he was beat with a flashlight. We still haven't seen a video on that. It's been almost two years. Chief Paul shows his video, what, most of seven days. Yeah. And we still waiting on one from our governor for two years. Yeah. Um, I just know that when you look at BRPD, and they got their problems, right, but their leader is night and day when you go other places. Yes. It's night and day. Um you could be in a far worse situation. You don't want to get stopped coming through Clinton. Let me tell you. Uh, but it, it's night and day in some of these other places. I, I would definitely. I don't. I don't understand it. I, he has to really want to change this thing uh, yeah. at this point and really have a passion for changing it. But yeah, that past that civil service board meeting was. I mean, it was horrendous. Like I really believe, and we're, we're we're looking into it. I really believe they should get sued for the way that meeting was facilitated. <laughs>
0: the 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 municipal civil service board mm-hmm. is under the authority of the state legislature Yeah, so you have to go through the state legislature to do anything about yep. the municipal service board
1: yeah and I can tell you we're not the only group looking into the way that meeting was facilitated Um I mean it it was so disgusting it, it seemed like Jill Kraft was chairing mm-hmm. uh, it, it was it was horrendous. Um, and you could tell that the chair was biased. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was clear Um the, the way the way the narrative flowed, um, it, it was it was a terrible, terrible, terrible meeting. And, I, and, 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 you know, when I look at other civil service functions, right, public works, work workers ought to be pissed off. They should be mad because they wouldn't get away with this. Right. You know, if you look at other civil service employees. Right. If they sat down for hours on end and design billboards, you think they'd have a job? Right. The police union got away with this because, again, they showed how powerful they are and the fact that they're still above the law. Yeah. And we, there is, there is, the police union is so negative to our town. Yes. It is no reason we should still be contracting with this body. They are yes. rogue, they are criminal, uh, and they are poorly ran. And we still don't even know how they're spending their money. Uh, and there's rumors floating about that. Yeah. Like th- There should be something done about the fact that th- this contract is still in place. And there's, there's not really a need for it to be. We have a powerful example of, of a non-unionized police department right there in New Orleans. I, mean, I don't hear that cops complaining. Federal consent decree made a difference, though. It made a huge it? difference. Yeah. Made a huge difference.
0: Because New Orleans has a an oversight person. They have an oversight, independent auditor of police actions mm-hmm. by virtue of a federal consent decree. Uh, Baton Rouge somehow escaped the federal consent decree that they had been under mm-hmm. for uh, several years uh, with what I think is not enough change to have warranted them coming out from under the consent decree. But there are entities, if if if, if the NAACP's uh, view is about this particular instance, there are groups within Baton Rouge, together Baton Rouge is one of them, uh, that is pushing for an independent uh, auditor of police yeah. actions. And I uh, I I would, I, I hope that they're able to make that happen.
1: Yeah, and I, I tell you, we you know, uh, Mr. Tyria Tate and uh, Ms. Quayla Chambers, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but, you know, they were the first group that I heard really speaking about an independent police monitor. Um, and I know they've done a, a great deal of work on that. Uh, and I think at some point, you know, we, we got to look at things like that to make sure that this don't happen again. Right. Um, you know, because we're we're really – we're in a space where we're, we're lucky. Um, and we don't appreciate it in the moment, but we're lucky to have Chief Paul. Yes, Extremely yes we are. only lucky to have agree. Chief Paul. I agree. Um,
0: When I had the mayor yeah. here a couple of months back, uh, I said to her that I think the most important hire that she made in her first term was Murphy Paul.
1: I think he might be the most important hire anybody that setting that seat might have made. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it was a great hire. Yeah. But we're solely dependent on Chief Paul doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know he will, but we we just don't know if the person that replaces him will. Right. Um, and the shelf life for a police chief is very sharp. Yes, And we've seen these last few weeks, the union is still very, very, very dangerous. When we look at our community, they will protect themselves at any cost. Um, And that didn't change. I mean, even the guy who chairs the civil service board for the municipal uh, body, um, he's had his array of issues. Um, Should not be chairing that body. Should not be on the body. Should not be on the body. Should not be in a uniform. That part, that part. And that's your chair. Yes. That's your chair. So when you look at all of those things, these are they're dangerous they're dangerous and we have all of these folks outside of this city um, basically you know, adding their narrative to what should be happening inside of Baton Rouge because that's the thing the, the jokers that believe that this is okay don't even live here Yeah, they live in Gonzales they live in Denver Springs they, live, they, they don't live here but they still very much control what happens in Baton Rouge and yes. um, and they're dangerous. They're dangerous. We, 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 we've got to, and I'm just going to say this, we've got to find a way to get rid of that contract. Yeah, We've got to. And a lot of people don't understand why the police union contract is still in existence. The police union contract is still in existence because of the teachers union. Not because they help the police union, but because if you get rid of the police union, that gives a clear example of how to get rid of other unions. Mm-hmm. And people are afraid of that. And I challenge people on that. Mm-hmm. Let's function better, because if we function better, then we don't have that to worry about, right? And I use the teachers' union as an example, but it's it's other unions. It's the bus driver union, right? It's the carpenters' union. It's the scaffolders' union. That All of those unions, if the police union fall, comes under a microscope, mm-hmm. comes under a light. And I didn't understand that until I started fighting the police union, right? And then I started to understand, well, I'm pissing off a lot of unions right yeah. now. Because yeah. if you provide a route of how to get rid of this union, that provides a route of how to get rid of these rest of these unions. Yeah. And they're not going to ever say that publicly, right? But behind the scenes, they, they were concerned. And that's why the police union largely still exists, because it's connected to so many of the bodies that indirectly provides protection for them. We're going to need those other unions to fight with us. Yeah. And I want to start making that call to them. Like, we just saw what some of y'all can get done. We're going to need y'all help with this. Because you after this show, you can no longer no longer say that you don't know that you're protected. them. Right. I don't believe they do that right. before, before this. But... You will know it after this. Those other unions indirectly provide protections for the police union. And we're going to need them to tell the the AFL-CIO that they no longer want the police union to be a part of their network. And until that happens, the police union has way too much coverage to get out of the power.
0: I could go on, but I've, I've, I've taken up over an hour of your time, and I appreciate the time that you have given to yeah. us. I always want to end uh, by asking questions about your progeny. You mentioned that you have uh, sons. Do you have any daughters also? Yeah, yeah
1: I have uh, my boys, uh, you know, and, and I have my daughter, Malia, and I always joke and tell people she's my favorite because she's my only girl. She's my only girl. I understand.
0: As someone who's so actively involved in uh uh, baton rouge affairs mm-hmm. baton rouge politics uh do you want your children to stay in baton rouge do, do you want them to plant their flag in baton rouge <laughs> or would you prefer that uh they seek their lives elsewhere i prefer to go what else. you know
1: i prefer to go elsewhere and just because i know that the the one just not only race in this town right the age stuff um uh, I was doggone on forty before anybody started listening to me, right? <laughs> and, and, and that's still very much the culture here in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they would have that to deal with, um, and they have the fact that there would the, there's just going to be less opportunities for them that exist. Now you know their father has done some things that that's going to make their situation a little different. Right? You know that, that's just undeniable. Mm-hmm. Their last name is going to mean something a little different than when I wrote it, and that and that's a little privilege. But if I had to tell them today to stay, I wouldn't tell them that. Mm-hmm. I'll just be honest with you. I would tell them go to Dallas, go to Atlanta, go to L.A., go where black people win it. <laughs> you know, and, and that ain't bad and rude right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that it can't be but it ain't bad in right now. I think there are some good things happening. Uh, I saw last night Councilman Cleve Dunn. Uh, he, he passed a really good ordinance that I think is going to really help create new black business owners, right? Uh, I think you're going to have a few black millionaires probably come out of the ordinance he proposed and right. got through, right? I think some of the DBE work that the mayor's office is doing is going to balance some of those things out. Um, but that's going to take time. And that's not something I'm willing to gamble my children's future on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not. I understand. It's just not. not. And, you know, and I'm going to say this. We, we had a congressional campaign recently, right? Um, and so many young people called me after that campaign. And You and I understand the politics of it, and we know why certain things happened and didn't happen. But they were trying to understand why nobody in Baton Rouge supported a young black man running for Congress. Mm -hmm. Now, we understand the politics that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. But to them, all they saw was a young person in Baton Rouge tried to do something, was the only person in Baton Rouge to try to do it and didn't really get the support of the home base. right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that's got to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that people got to really tell us why they didn't. Mm Because young people are calling, and young people are talking, and a lot of young people within our organization said, "See, that's why I'm not. That's why I'm not around here. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm not going to stay here. Mm -hmm. That's why I want to leave." Because we understand that there's so many nuances to politics that you know, and politics makes for strange, strange, strange bedfellows, right? Uh, But to them, on the surface, just looking in. It seems kind of wild to them, hmm. you know, that this is what happened. And then let's just be honest: with our elected leaders, that we're trending older in Baton Rouge at a time where everywhere else around the country is trending younger. I would not tell my kids to stay here.
0: Eugene Collins, thank you so much for your time here with us, and thank you. Uh, I appreciate your perspective. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next time.